Let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We just sang about the Lord Jesus Christ being in heaven because He has been raised from the dead and sits in heavenly places. But while He was here on earth, this is what He taught us. Beginning at verse 19 of Matthew chapter 6. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. What a change has taken place between verses 18 and 19. The first 18 verses of this chapter were about hypocrisy in public worship of God, in your almsgiving, in your praying, and in your fasting. If you did it to be seen of men, that's all the rewards you were going to get. If you did it in private to be seen of God... Our Father, which seeth in secret, would reward thee openly. And so his dealing with hypocrisy ended at verse 18, and now he takes up a warning about the danger of worldliness, the danger of covetousness, the danger of money, the danger of success, the danger of materialism, the danger of things, the danger of what everyone else in this world is chasing. And so he deals with that, in the remaining verses of Matthew chapter 6, but we want to look at two little lessons he gives us in verses 19 through 24. First of all, the first lesson, and it's verses 19 through 21, he tells us not to lay up treasures on earth. Now, he doesn't mean that literally, because he does tell us to save in other places in the Bible. Godly Christians save part of their income because it's a wise thing to save. I hope that you have read enough of the Proverbs and the commentaries in the Proverbs to know that. That a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. The Bible teaches that. So it doesn't mean this literally not to lay up treasures, because we should lay up. Ants lay up, and we're supposed to look at the ant as sluggards and see how wise they are, that when the going is good... They set some of it aside for when the going isn't so good. But when it says, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, it is saying, you should not treat the things of this life that are here on this earth as if they were your treasures. Do not focus your attention on them. Do not give them all your affection. Do not make them the emphasis of your life. Do not set your goals for a successful life based on what you have in this world. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. 
He's talking about the things of this life and focusing on them and putting most of your effort into those things rather than spiritual things. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. That's putting your focus, your affection, your emphasis, your time, your money, your effort into the things of this life. The Lord tells us not to do it. You know, if you put your attention on the things of this life, you are going to waste your life. I read a passage to you this evening to begin the service that says, For we brought nothing into this life, and it is certain we shall carry nothing out. There's one thing you can know about the future. You're not taking anything with you. You didn't bring anything when you arrived, and you're not taking anything out. And if that's the case, then we ought not to be laying up treasures, should we? And so we have the wise man in the book of Ecclesiastes, the great Solomon, that God blessed with so much wisdom, he warned us so plainly not to lay up treasures in this life because a wise man goes out and earns them, a wise man keeps them, a wise man lays them up, and then he dies and takes nothing with him, and his foolish son gets his hands on them, and they're all wasted. Now, isn't that vanity and vexation of spirit? It's vanity because all the wise man's efforts are vain and profitless. It's vexation of spirit because the poor wise man had to work so hard to get them, and then it's all lost in a moment when a foolish man gets his hands on the checkbook. There are so many examples we could give from the Bible on how vain it is to lay up treasures on earth. Jesus gives us a few. He says there's moth, there's moths, he uses the singular, and there's rust, and it corrupts. No matter how nice of a garment you buy or how expensive your suit might be, it doesn't take long, and it's eaten. There's little creatures that God has made that will find that wool or that fine material. Listen, if your suit is made of something that, that moths won't eat, that's a problem with your suit, not a problem with the moths. Because if it's real material, there's bugs that eat it. You know, we've made some things out of chemicals that maybe most bugs wouldn't want to eat. It'd give them indigestion. But here the warning is, don't put your emphasis on apparel. And don't, we don't want to forget why we have the word moth here. It's because as we turn the, turn the page in my Bible and go through the rest of Matthew chapter 6, we're going to hear about the worry that some people have about what they're going to put on, what they're going to wear. And the Lord's going to deal with that from several different angles. But right now, why would we want to worry... And why would we want to put our emphasis, why would we want to invest most of our time and effort into clothing when moths can eat it? Why would we want to put it into automobiles when rust can corrupt it? No matter how shiny the truck is today, in just a few years it will not be nearly as shiny. No matter how well it starts now and how smoothly it operates, in just a few years it doesn't want to operate You may have to replace an engine, get it overhauled, because rust is constantly corrupting it. That's because we live in a sinful world. And so the Lord is giving us, there's there's brilliant practical advice here in one verse. Don't make this world and its things your treasure, because it's all going to be corrupted and destroyed. And then the whole time you've got that, that automobile or those clothes, there's always the threat of someone breaking in and stealing it. Now, Jesus only mentioned three things, moths, rust, and thieves. Are there a few more? Well, we've got the tax man. 
He takes quite a bit of it after you've worked so hard. Then we've got death. You can't take any with you. Then we've got the wise man that I've just mentioned who has the foolish son that squanders it all. Then we read about in Ecclesiastes, the man who gets it all, but he can't sleep at night because he's worried about where to invest it tomorrow, lest it run away from him. And on and on the Bible tells us about how vain it is to put our attention on the things of this life. Hear the word of the Lord, young people. Clothing is not how a woman is measured. Cars are not how a man is measured. It's your treasure in heaven. And your treasure in heaven is the godly character that was mentioned from this pulpit already from Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 1. That's one of the ways you lay up treasure in heaven by living a life now where your name brings honor and glory to Jesus Christ and righteousness. Amen. That's a simple verse, isn't it? Verse 19. Let's look at a few verses. Proverbs chapter 23. Proverbs chapter 23. Let's look at a few verses that back up what Jesus taught in Matthew 6:19 Proverbs 23 Listen to the words of wisdom here Don't watch the lifestyles of the rich and famous don't think about them The rich the Bible tells us die just like the poor and they're both going to meet the Lord who's the maker of them all They're not special at all Look Proverbs 23 verse 4 Labor not to be rich Cease from thine own wisdom Stop thinking such a ridiculous goal for your life to be rich. Or to, what word do you want to put on it? Do you dislike the word rich? Okay, then let's use the word success. I want to be a success. I want to be a star. I want to be on the fast track. Now, these are professional words. I want to be an up-and-comer. I want to mingle... With the, with the rich and famous. With the movers and the shakers. Those are expressions that are used. But look at what the word of God says. Labor not to be rich. Don't put effort into trying to be successful by worldly standards or by the measure of money. Cease from thine own wisdom. That's a ridiculous goal for your life. Wilt, and here's the same words as Jesus taught. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? Will you make your goal something that doesn't really exist? Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. Just when you think you've got your eagle, it takes off. And it's just out of your reach. And as I've taught you before, the man on the treadmill of trying to be successful pushes, pushes the speed button in front of him until he's running as fast as he can. He can't catch the eagle, and then the treadmill spits him off into hell. Labor not to be rich. We all have to go to work every day. We go to work every day. We trust the Lord for the outcome. We do the best that we can within reason, and we come home and we forget about it. We go to work in order to survive. We go to work in order to find bread, in which we've asked the Lord for to give it to us day by day. But our treasures are elsewhere. It's not on success. It's not on riches. It's not on a position. Look at Psalm 39. Psalm 39. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Sermon on the Mount. It's very practical. It's very righteous. This world is a very strong draw for Christians, and it ruins their lives. I started from 1 Timothy chapter 6 that says, They that will be rich fall into many foolish 
and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. That is a terrible verse for wanting to chase this world's things and goods and success and praise and money. If it comes, don't set your heart on it. If it comes, be willing to give it away. Put your treasure somewhere else. Emphasize other things, as the next verse will tell us. But look at Psalm 39 and verse 6. Surely, this is a fact of life and God inspired it. Surely, every man walketh in a vain show. Surely, they are disquieted in vain. He heapeth up riches and knoweth not who shall gather them. Now, that's a, that's a wasted life. It's a wasted life to be pursuing something that flies away like an eagle. It's a wasted life to be pursuing something that someone else is going to gather and spend. You heap it up in your barns, but your son, your nephew, your grandson comes along and spends it for you. We could go on and multiply those verses. The Word of God is very plain. This foolish world seduces men away from putting their treasures where they ought to be. And we cannot let that happen. We cannot emphasize nor flatter nor praise nor honor the men in this church or the women in this church that are more successful than others in worldly terms. That's the gift of God if they're living their lives right. What we want to emphasize are those that have their treasures in heaven. Look at Matthew chapter 6 again. Matthew chapter 6. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. You can tell when a man is laying up treasures on earth when he puts most of his focus or all of it or much of it on his job, his house, his car, his things, pleasure, clothes. We can tell. We can all tell. You should be able to tell that he's putting his treasures on earth because of all the investment that he's pouring into it day after day. We have to go to work, have to provide for our families. We lay some of it aside for a rainy day. We follow the commandments of God. But we have another place that we want to make our investments. And the, and the reason we're at work is to be able to make money to make some other investments. Remember I told you a week or two ago that one of the reasons you want to go to work and work hard is to have more to give to others. That's Ephesians chapter 4 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It's taught in the Bible. Because that man, while he's working hard in the job, has his treasures in heaven. Look at verse 20. We're not to lay up treasures upon earth in verse 19. But verse 20 says, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. The Lord's giving you, telling you something. Better than FDIC. You know, but FDIC will guarantee, what is it, still 100000 Guarantee your deposits to 100000 as long as we don't have a bank failure. That's what they mean when they say that. Because the FDIC couldn't guarantee anyone's deposits if we had a significant banking trouble in this country. It's all a sham to keep people in a fraudulent banking system, but that is a subject for another time that I don't even care about anymore. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth, there's no moths there, there's no rust, and there's no thieves. What you do today, what you do today and invest in a heavenly way will be kept and preserved forever. The Lord will make, take recognition of it and praise you for it when you stand before Him and you will carry it through eternity. Is that fantastic? 
You were mentioned tonight. You were mentioned tonight. You were mentioned tonight. I didn't mention you tonight, but you're working very hard. I didn't mention you tonight, but I did on Wednesday night. Because you helped your father cut the grass at the new church building. All of you, several of you were mentioned tonight for working very hard and showing the word of God in your life by being respectful to your boss and by being diligent in the assignments you're given. Do you know what? If you do that with a heart to the Lord, you're making an investment that's got the greatest return in the world. Don't worry about the investment that the boss gives you at the end of the week in the form of a paycheck. He just gave you an investment tonight and set a goal in front of you tonight that's more valuable than that. Do you all understand that? Amen. When you cheerfully keep children and do a good job and are very pleasant about doing it, you know, that reputation spreads and you're laying up for yourself treasure in heaven if you do it from a heart that's doing it to honor the Lord. Right. You can make an investment today, tomorrow, and the next day if the Lord Jesus Christ tarries where there's no moths, there's no rust, and there's no thieves, and it will never be lost. Do you remember the righteous saying to the Lord Jesus Christ, In Matthew 25, the righteous are going to get to heaven and they're going to say to, the Lord's going to say, Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. You visited me when I was lonely. You fed me when I was hungry. You gave me drink when I was thirsty. And the righteous are going to say, Why did we ever do that? He's giving them treasures that they had forgotten about because they were doing so many of them. Do you understand that? The things you do today, the reputation, and I know the man, and I know what he said about you the last time I met him, Brother David. When we do that, and we do it with a heart to the Lord, now if you just do it to impress the boss, are you with me? When you do it to impress the boss, it's no treasure in heaven. I'm going to show you that in just a second when we get to the second lesson. It's to do it for the Lord's sake. Lord, I want to be the greatest worker that's ever been on earth. I want, to obey my, I want to obey my master, and I want to work diligently. I want to be faithful. I want to be punctual. I want to be on time. I want to do what I'm told the way I was told to do it. I don't want to mess around, and I want to get off the clock when I'm done and I'm not being productive anymore. And we go through the, all the things that we've learned in the Word of God. Michael, when you get on the A.B. honor roll, and you do your homework well, and you obey your teacher well, because you want to do it to please God, you're making an investment for your future. And it's an investment that's not lost, because there's no thieves that can take it away. There's no moths or rust to take it away. And when you die, it just gets better. That is a wonderful way to live. And this is what the Lord Jesus Christ is teaching us. He knows there's a great conflict that goes on every day of our lives. You go off to work, and there's, in every job... There are those that are getting promoted, and you want to be like them. There are those that get the praise and the honor, and you want to be like them. You want to dip into that, that, uh, that blessing and take some of it yourself. Trust the Lord. Just right. go and serve Him well. And serve Him and, and work at that job to provide the basics for your life. But do it always with a heart to the Lord. That is laying up treasure in heaven even though you're on the job. You know, one of the easiest ways you can lay up treasure for yourself, and this is how the Lord Jesus Christ used it, was to give your money to the poor. Now, you know how the, I don't have time to go into this in great depth, but when we think of giving away our money, we don't think of that as a very good investment. 
But the Lord Jesus Christ, when he, when he repeated this in the Gospel of Luke, he said that when you give to the poor, you are laying up for yourself treasure in heaven. Remember, there is that scattereth, but it tendeth to riches, and there is that withholdeth more than his meat, it tendeth to poverty. Now, that law of Solomon was mostly in this life. But the Lord Jesus Christ said when you give your money away, you're actually laying up a treasure in heaven. Now, that is an investment. That is an investment. Instead of squeaking out 2% per annum, paid monthly, compounded daily, you know, that is just ridiculous returns. You can do something today, and the Lord will give you eternal life. Not because we earned it, but we can lay hold of that eternal life by what we do. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. No one can take away that treasure you have, and you do it by putting your focus, your affection, your effort, your attention, and your goals on heavenly things. Any heavenly thing. In your marriage, in the church, with your children, with your parents, on the job, obeying the government, paying your taxes, every single thing you do to obey the Lord, you are laying up treasure in heaven. Instead of chasing around in the rat race of laying up a treasure on earth. Everything we do, we should do it to the Lord and for His honor and glory and for the sake of heaven. And that treasure never goes away. It's a great investment. But here's, what the, here's the point the Lord really wanted to make. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know what the Lord knows about us? It's where we spend our time. It's where we spend our effort. It's what we think about. It's what we have as our goal that is our real treasure. And he knows that what a real treasure is, that's what's captivated our heart. And he wants our heart on him and on heaven. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you are going through life and doing everything to please God and to live in a way that is pleasing in the sight of heaven, then your heart's in heaven. Your heart's with the Lord. You know, he's asked and he's commanded us that we would love the Lord our God with all of our heart. And we show that by laying up treasures in heaven, by all focusing on spiritual things, things that please God, and they run the whole range of all your activities in life that you're doing it to the Lord. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The Lord Jesus Christ is cutting through and giving us all a measure about ourselves. What is really important to us? What makes you the most excited? What gets you the happiest? What do you think about the most? Is it things on this life? Or is it things in heaven? Is it pleasing the Lord? Is it things that agree with the Bible? Where are your treasures? Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And the Lord wants our hearts on him. The Lord wants our hearts in heaven. The Lord wants our hearts in love with his word. So, a big change has taken place at verse 19. He is now trying to save those people that were hearing him from the destructive seduction and enticement of the world. And it is a powerful thing. And all you young men, don't you get excited about getting their approval. Why don't you work to hear the approval of good men and God, your godly fathers in this congregation and the Lord in heaven? Right. A good name is rather to be chosen. was read to you tonight. It's a choice. It's a choice that every man makes. That when your name is said, you are a faithful 
honest, virtuous, godly, spiritual, good person. For the Lord's sake. Let's go to verse 22. The light of the body is the eye. Now my eye doesn't make any light. I want you to understand the words here. My eye does not make any light. My eye just kind of opens up and it takes in the light. And when it takes in the light, I can see right well. I can see exactly where you are. I can walk over and pinch your nose because I can see exactly where your nose is. But if my eyes are evil, if my eye is not wholesome, singular, but it's seeing double or seeing triple, I can walk over to pinch your nose and get Daniel's. This is, this is the lesson Jesus is giving. The light of the body is the eye. Your body is only as effective and as efficient as the light that your eye is able to take in and recognize objects and go right straight for them and not trip, fall, or miss. But if your eye is corrupt, if it's evil, now the word evil is used, but what that means is, in context, it means that it's seeing double. How do I know that? Read the context. No man can serve two masters. Or go to Luke and cheat and find out what Matthew means by going to Luke and finding out that it's partially dark. Because you're seeing double, it's not a singular vision. If you have an eye that is wholesome, healthy, singular, it's taking in the light, you can go straight to the appointed object, and your whole body, the, your whole body is directed by an eyeball. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, if it is seeing true, straight, singular, without interruption, confusion, or distraction, you can be very efficient with your whole body. Thy whole body shall be full of light. Everything about my body I can direct very efficiently when I have a singular vision. If I see double, or if I see triple, my whole body is rendered worthless. I run into walls. I miss things when I reach for them. I cannot read. I cannot see. My life and my body are full of confusion. Jesus is giving an illustration. He says in verse 23, But if thine eye be evil, that means it's corrupt. It doesn't, it's not working right. It's seeing double. It's seeing triple. Thy whole body shall be full of darkness. My whole body will be as if I'm in a dark room because I cannot operate effectively. I'll, be, I'll catch myself coming and going. I'll walk into walls. I'll miss things. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? If the thing that was designed to give me light so that my body could be efficient is not, but it's giving me darkness and confusion, my body is really messed up, isn't it? It's full of darkness. What's the lesson? I'm thankful for verse 24. No man can serve two masters. That's an evil eye. That's an eye that's looking in two different directions. And do you know how evil it is? Do you know how bad that eye is? It's this bad. No man can serve two masters. We all think we can serve two masters. Every one of you thinks that you can serve two masters. You can be what I term the successful Christian businessman. That means... I can have success, and I can be a great Christian. Have there been successful Christian businessmen? Yes, God made them that way. 
But has there ever been one that set his affection on both things? Never. They that will be rich fall into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. No man can serve two masters. Now, does that mean you can't have two jobs? Is this a verse that says you can't have a third job? Or is this talking about something totally different? Two opposite masters. See, the Lord Jesus Christ and this world are opposites. You cannot serve them both. Otherwise, your whole body is full of darkness as, a, as an eye that sees light and sees darkness and confuses them both and sees double and triple. Your whole body is rendered ineffective. And if you are looking in two different directions, over here to serve the world and over here to serve the Lord, it doesn't work because they're antithetic, they're opposites to each other. You can't serve them both. To serve the one is to violate the other. And so the Lord Jesus Christ teaches this axiom. Do you remember in geometry you had some axioms? No. Okay. Well, it sounded good anyway. I think there are axioms in geometry. Here's an axiom of the Christian religion. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Does this sound like Joshua? Yes. Well, this man's name was Joshua, the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And he said, ye cannot serve the Lord this way. If you have two masters that are opposites, there's no way you can serve them both, because either you love one and hate the other, or you're going to hold to this one and despise this one. Because they're opposites, you can't love them both. And you can't serve them both. And here the Lord Jesus Christ is saving us from getting our, our lives confused and making our lives worthless by chasing this world and wanting to please him. This is a conflict we face every day. Here is the Lord Jesus Christ, a very practical lesson, telling us two things. First, in verses 19 through 21, your heart is where your treasure is. Your treasure is where you're investing your time, effort, money, thoughts, goals, and so forth. If you invest it in this life, everything in this life is going away, whether by thieves, by moths, or by rust. It's going away. If you will invest here for heaven, you will not lose a bit of it. There's no moths, no rust, and nor thieves. And when you stand before him, everything that you ever did or every investment you made, to please the Lord Jesus Christ will be remembered. Do you know the Bible tells me that giving a cup of cold water to a disciple in a disciple's name is enough for a reward? Amen. That's returns that are incredible. That is a wonderful promise. That's Matthew chapter 10, around verses 40 and 41 and 42. They're wonderful promises. Everything we do in loving one another, in serving our master well, always doing it, in singleness of heart to the Lord. I want to please turn to Ephesians 6 to see that. In singleness of heart to the Lord. I told you, young men, it's not enough just to please the boss sitting back there in the back row. You want to do it to the, for the Lord's sake. You want to do it to the Lord. You want to balance to the penny for the Lord's sake. You want to honor the Lord by doing it. Every meal that's fixed, you women... Every time you do a load of laundry and you're folding the clothes and you're thinking, well, why don't I just dump them in the drawer? I could save a lot of time. 
Well, maybe that'd be the most efficient thing for you to do in your house. I don't know. I don't want to get it off in the clothes or I'll get myself in trouble. And the women will be writing me emails. But what my point being, when you're doing it, doing it as unto the Lord. Everything we do can be done to the Lord. And he doesn't miss a single thing. Ephesians 6.5. This is how we're to go to work tomorrow. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling. You got that, young man? Can you be, can you be obedient to your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling? That means we do what they tell us to do. We submit to it, and we obey. We don't question. We don't talk back. We don't answer again. All those things are condemned in Scripture. But here's the most important part of the verse. In singleness of your heart. Singleness of your heart. Didn't we just read in Matthew chapter 6, verse 22, if the eye is single, it's seeing one thing, it's focusing on one object, in singleness of heart. When you go to work tomorrow, you really have one overriding goal, and that is to please the God of heaven. I want to be a great Bible Christian, pleasing God in everything I do on the job. The way I treat every customer, my integrity in my handling of money, my punctuality of being on time, my carefulness not to slough off while I'm on the clock, all of those thoughts are in singleness of heart as unto Christ. You do not have two goals. I want to please my boss so I get a raise. And I want to please the Lord. You say, really? Is it that strict? It's really that strict. Do you want a little secret about getting it that strict? If you, if you were to work as unto the Lord Jesus Christ the way you should, you'll get raises faster than if you work to please men. It goes on to say, not with eye service as men pleasers. You are not supposed to be working just to please your boss. We are already told how you're supposed to be working in verse 5, in singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Whether it's the woman at home, the wife, the husband, the citizen, we, we all do our things this way with a single heart, one eye, one focus, one goal, one objective, and that's to please the Lord Jesus Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. There is your treasure in heaven. You will receive it from the Lord, even if you were a slave. If you were a shackled slave picking cotton, but you did it as to the Lord with a single heart, didn't answer again, did it with fear and trembling, did it not for eye service, but to please the Lord, the blessed God of heaven will reward you. I promise you that, because the word of God tells me. There is no discrimination in heaven except against those who don't work hard. Color has nothing to do with it. Sex has nothing to do with it. Age has nothing to do with it. The only discrimination in heaven is those who don't live a righteous life and who don't keep the commandments. This is how we're to work, young men. Five, six, seven, eight of Ephesians 6, and it's all repeated in Colossians chapter 3. If you work that way, the Lord will take care of you. Amen. You, want, you want to bet? You think, you, you think you've ever met anybody in this world or read about them in any magazine that got promoted faster than Joseph? Do you think you've ever read of a career story like Joseph? You say, well, Joseph is just an exception. Do you want to hear about Daniel? You say, well, that's only two of them. Do you want to talk about David? 
How far do we have to go in the Word of God to show you when young men will serve the Lord with a single heart, God will take care of them. Right. Can't serve two masters. You try to serve this world and the Lord, do you know what the terrible news is? You lose on both ends. If you're a child of God, the Lord's not going to let you get away with finding success in this life, even if you put this life first, even if you try to apply some of the principles of the Bible. He that will lose his life for my sake shall find it, but you try to save your life, you'll lose it. You can win on both ends. Young men, old men, young women, older women. By not serving two masters, but having a single eye. No man can serve two masters. You're going to hate the one or love the other, and the reason is they're opposites. If you try to love the Lord Jesus Christ and have a little bit of the world, do you know what having a little bit of the world is? It's called flirting. Do you know how the Lord looks at it? Spiritual adultery. James 4.4 4. There is only one way to live, and that is all out for the things of heaven. The things of heaven, we do them on earth. We love one another. We obey our parents. We serve our master well. We manage our money in a way that honors the Bible's rules about it. We pay taxes. We speak respectfully of government. We don't whisper about our neighbor. All the commandments that you get from me, from the Proverbs, those things, if done to please the Lord, are laying up treasure in heaven. Don't let that verse become too, too complex or too mysterious. It's doing things with an eye to heaven. It's obeying the commandments of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's laying up treasure in heaven. But if you are pursuing instead of those things to acquire wealth, to be successful, to wear great clothes, then you're going to miss the reward, and those things that you emphasize in this life will be taken from you. Right. No man can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and mammon. I call upon all of you tonight, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, who spoke these words... 1,975 years ago, that you ought to put your treasures in heaven. And you, you can do them as soon as this service ends, by serving one another. Remember what Paul told Timothy to tell the rich? He told the rich, and there's not a sin about with being rich. He told the rich, don't trust in uncertain riches, but trust in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, and be ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store a good foundation against the time to come. Does that sound like a treasure in heaven? Amen. That sounds like knowing you've got eternal life by taking what you've got here and being willing to give it away. The Lord sees all that. Elijah said, as he stood alone, and the, and the people of Israel all watched him, Hundreds of thousands, a huge crowd, 450 prophets of Baal opposed against him. He said, how long halt ye between two opinions? If Baal be God, serve him. If this world is God, then go throw yourself at it. You're not going to take one tiny grain of it out of here with you, and the entire experience of your life will be vanity and vexation of spirit. Solomon tried more in one week 
than you will try in your life if you live to be 90. And he said, all is vanity. Vanity of vanities. Hear the man cry. The wisest man God gave to us is crying. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity and vexation of spirit. Do you know how to save yourself from that? Lose your life for the cause of Jesus Christ. He will not only give you eternal life in the world to come, He'll give you more happiness now than Solomon ever had. What a blessing. What a reward. Lay your treasures up in heaven. Don't look with a double vision. Have a single vision to serve the Lord Jesus Christ in all that you do. And may Jesus Christ be praised.